Welcome to the Get Healthier Podcast with Rena Jadhav, who's on a quest to uncover breakthroughs and cures in living longer, healthier, and happier. Genetic testing, stem cells, rattling, talking to Silicon Valley geniuses and the best doctors in the world about the hottest products and programs to make you live an amazingly joyful life. Are you ready? Now, here's your host, Rena. Hey, folks, it's Rena Jadhav here. So excited to have you listening in again today. So we're talking today about the perfect protein. I've got with me Dr. David Minkoff, who has written a book, a brand new book called The Search for the Perfect Protein, The Key to Solving Weight Loss, Depression, Fatigue, Insomnia, and Osteoporosis. Um, as, as Dr. Minkoff says, proteins are the basic building blocks of human body, but most people are malnourished in amino acids, which are required to form protein, a deficiency that can lead to diabetes, obesity, cancer, and chronic diseases. Wow. So, Dr. David Minkoff, welcome. Welcome to the Healthier Podcast. Thank you, Rena. So, are you saying that truly it's the protein deficiency that's creating this chronic illness crisis? Well, I think the protein deficiency is the tail end of it. The beginning of it is a problem with the gut, a problem with digestion, a problem with... Uh, not eating, not understanding which proteins you should eat, and then eventually ending up where you aren't getting enough proteins or essential amino acids so that your body can detox, heal, recover, do all the things that it's supposed to do. I, I got to this kind of by accident. I was a, a competitive athlete, and I got injured and couldn't heal. And uh, I'd been a vegetarian for many years, and didn't realize that I wasn't nourishing myself the way I should, and that I was actually deficient in essential amino acids. And when I uh, found that out and then started to take them, I healed and my performance got better. And then I have a clinic in Florida where we see people with uh, chronic long-term illness, cancer, autoimmune disease, uh, quite a few performance athletes. And when I started looking at them, I found that they were also having the same thing. So uh, that prompted me to look into it in more detail and then ultimately to write the book from my experience with working with all these people. What a great story. I love how inspiring you are with uh, how many triathlons have you done again? Well, I've done 42 Ironman triathlons. That's I've been in the world championship eight times uh, in I've uh, probably done over 300 triathlons altogether if you count the shorter ones as well. Remarkable, remarkable. All right, well, let's get started. Chapter one, what proteins are and what they do. All right, what are proteins? Tell us a little bit about that. So a protein, it, there's three categories of what are called macronutrients, the big stuff, not vitamins and minerals. There's fats and there's proteins and there's carbohydrates. All of these things are made up of three basic things, carbons, hydrogens, oxygens. The difference in proteins between carbohydrates and fats is that proteins also have nitrogen. So uh, fats and carbohydrates have no nitrogen, but proteins have nitrogen. And in Greek, nitrogen is, is amino. So proteins are up of smaller pieces, which are called amino acids. So if you think of language like an alphabet, 
like the English alphabet has 26 letters. If you put the letters together in different combinations, you get different words. Some words are very short, like one letter, I or A. Some words are maybe 25 or 26 letters. But in the language, there's probably three or 400,000 different words. So now if we relate this back to proteins, there is an alphabet for proteins. They're called amino acids. And there's 22 of them. And if you put them together in different combinations, you get different proteins. And in the human body, there's about 50,000 different proteins. So some proteins are very simple, like thyroid hormone is a protein. It's just one amino acid with some iodine, and that's thyroid hormone. Some of proteins are like growth hormone, I think, has 89 amino acids, and insulin has 60-something amino acids. And skeletal muscle, the, the protein skeletal muscle called actin, has actually 5,700 proteins per or amino acids per fiber. So some proteins are very complicated and some are, are not. But in order to make proteins, your body has to have amino acids, the basic amino acids which are the building blocks for these proteins. Which is why the older we get, the more protein we need, or the more higher quality protein we need. Yeah, well, what happens is, is that of these 22 amino acids, there's eight of them that are called essential, which means you have to get them in the diet. If you don't, your body can't actually make them. But if you get enough of these eight essential amino acids, your body can then make the other 14. So the critical thing in diet is that you get enough of the eight essential amino acids to keep up with your body's needs. Uh, if you just had surgery, you had an accident, or you're an athlete, you need more. If you're pregnant, you need more. Uh, if you're sedentary, you need less. But basically, there's a turnover of these things, and you have to keep them coming in. Uh, so that's the that's what proteins are, and that's what amino acids are, and that's sort of how you could kind of understand this. Like some tissues turn over very fast, like the lining of your intestine. Right. Every three or four days, those cells have to be renewed because otherwise they break down and they won't function. The bone marrow has cells being developed every day, every hour, white blood cells, red blood cells. So there's a high need for essential amino acids so these things can be made. Same with hair. The hair grows every day. If you don't have enough essential amino acids, you won't get there. Um, same with enzymes. So there's enzymes to digest food, to make energy. Um, they need, you need amino acids to be coming in so that you can make those things and you can keep up. Your body can you know, make energy, get rid of waste, do all the stuff it's supposed to do. All right. Chapter two, protein myths. So... I think the myth is this. If you take a, let's say you take a, can, a, a canister of yogurt and it says 14 grams of protein and then you take a can of tuna fish and it says 17 grams of protein and then you look on a, on a, um, on a, on a canister of soybeans and it says 13 grams of protein. That, and if you talk to most dietitians, they will say that a gram of soy equals a gram of milk dairy protein, casein, equals a gram of tuna fish. 
And the myth, that's a myth, it isn't true. The value, the ability of our bodies to take those proteins and extract the essential amino acids is very different for each of these foods. And this is not generally known in dietary circles. I have been a speaker a, 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 uh, at the American College of Nutrition where I did a lecture on this and most of these people are MDs or PhD in dietary science or nutrition. And most of this information they never learned in school and they didn't know about. And so the way it works is this. If let's say you take a piece of steak and you eat it, what you're eating is the muscle protein from that cow. Mm. Whey protein. You're taking the, the, the whey protein from the milk from that cow. Now, when you take that in, you have to digest it because you can't take it in as your body can't turn beef or, or whey protein into human protein. Right. Break it down. So it breaks it down into amino acids. Now, amino acids are small enough so that they can be absorbed by the body. And then they travel in your bloodstream to your cells which then have to reassemble the proteins that the cells need to make human protein. Follow me? Absolutely. Okay. It's a now, long process. It's not as simple as you eat and it's suddenly absorbed. No. So the, the consistency of these different proteins is different. Some of them are very rich in all of the amino acids, the essential amino acids. Some of them are very deficient. So, when you eat uh, whey protein, if you calculate how much of the whey protein your body was actually able to turn into human protein, it's only about 16 or 17 percent. There are a lot of the amino acids in whey protein that we just can't use to make our own protein. Oh, wow. So while it's touted to be a very powerful protein, it is well absorbed. It isn't a very biologically active. The utilization of the amino acids in that isn't very good. And so if the body can't utilize those amino acids, right. it takes the nitrogen off, which is why we urinate. That's what urine is. It's urea, which is nitrogen waste. Mm -hmm. out. And it, and it turns the rest of the chain where the amino was, where the, where the nitrogen was, into a carbohydrate. And that becomes calories. So That's if you eat protein thinking you're getting a lot of protein, you're getting 17%, which is fine, but 83% is carbs. Wow. If you steak, about 33%, it's twice as good as whey protein. Or fish. Yeah. Okay, fish. About fish and and, and meat are about 33% utilizable. Okay. But still get 67% is, turns into a carb, which is either burned or stored as fat or stored as glycogen. Uh, the best food is whole chicken egg. So egg white plus yolk is about 48% utilizable. That's the best food except for breast milk, but it's hard to get breast milk on a mass basis. It's, it's a little bit better than eggs are. Uh, most of the bean proteins and the rice proteins are mixtures that aren't very good. And so people think that they're eating these things and really getting, wow, I just had some 
plant protein, and it's really good. Mm -hmm. The ability of your body to turn that into human protein isn't very good, or the, the, it just isn't the right makeup. So you're not a fan of pea protein, which is taking off, or obviously you just mentioned rice protein isn't, isn't that highly absorbed either. No acid isn't very good. So for us, so here's an example. Here's like an analogy. Let's say we were going to build cars, and the basic on a car was you needed four wheels, and you need a frame, and you need a motor, and you need a steering wheel. And I ship you 100 wheels, 100 uh, steering wheels, 100 chassis, and one motor. You can only make one car. Mm -hmm. Leftover. And that's what happens. If you eat whey protein, you get 17% of the, of the amino acids are utilizable to make body protein, but... But the rest of it, the 83%, isn't. It's leftover um, steering wheels because you only have one motor and wheels and, and frames because your body doesn't actually have a, store, a way to store these amino acids. Like, like the body has places to store carbs. It can store it as fat. It can store it as glycogen. It has places to store fat if you overeat fat. It doesn't have a place, a depot, to store amino acids. It's actually just the structure of the body itself. So if it can't utilize it to make it and there's extra amino acids, they're going to get turned into carbs. Got it. So the first protein myth, of course, is, as you've shared, is that not all protein is exactly the same. Our body absorbs it at different levels. And your favorite protein is, of course, the whole egg followed by meats. Is that correct? Followed by like a chicken. Yeah. Now there's one of the, the, the points of the book is that there a, a real smart guy, Italian researcher, figured out a combination of the eight essential amino acids, which if you took those together, so there's a specific ratio between the eight, that if you took those as a dietary supplement, that 99% of those are utilized to make body protein. So if you are debilitated or you had surgery or you're an athlete, and your, and your requirements are higher, or you're pregnant, or you're nursing, you can supplement with this balance of essential, eight essential amino acids. It's, it's, it's called perfect amino. So that then you can supplement what you're eating dietarily to make sure that you're getting enough. Because what I found is when I measured the levels of essential amino acids in literally thousands of patients, Almost everybody was low in essential amino acids. Virtually all vegans and vegetarians were very low. In terms of myths, what about real food versus bars versus drinks? So if I drink a protein drink, is it the same level of quality and absorption as eating a piece of chicken? What are your thoughts on that? Well, it might be or it might not be. The problem with the bodies these days is most people have problems with digestion and absorption. Mm -hmm. And so they may not be able to digest it, and so they don't get the value of it. Sometimes things that are blended or pre-digested might be better because you can get them in. I don't like processed food very much mm -hmm. because it's processed. It's better to eat 
food that's real, you know, real chickens or real steak or real fruit or real vegetables. So anytime it's in a plastic bag or a box, it's adulterated and it's chemicalized and it's not as good. So uh, depending on what's in the shake, it might be fine. Dr. Minkoff, any other myths? Yeah, there's a, there's a big, huge marketing scheme now going for collagen. Like, oh, yeah. like it's the biggest selling nutritional supplement now. If you go to Amazon, what's the biggest selling supplement? It's collagen. Okay? Yeah. Uh, collagen is a protein. It is the most abundant protein in the human body. Uh, collagen, when it's manufactured, is usually leftover animal parts, feathers, beaks, what's left on the floor. And they put it together, and the marketing for it has been very well done and very powerful. But if you look at collagen in the same context, like what percentage of the collagen that you eat is going to actually get turned into your body protein, mm -hmm. it's very, very low. Because over 50% of collagen are four amino acids that aren't essential. And one of the essential ones is missing from collagen. Tryptophan is not present in most collagens. And so I think people get fooled a bit that this is really good for me, but really it isn't a very good food. You're better eating the whole protein rather than the collagen. That's a really, really important myth that you've just busted. But now clearly I will not be rebuying that on Amazon. And it's um, good to organic collagen because a lot of collagen has heavy metals. These animals have been fed GMO foods. There's glyphosate. There's all kinds of contaminants in it. So if you're going to eat collagen, I don't think collagen is harmful for you. In a shake or something, it can taste good. But in terms of nutritional value, uh, it, it really isn't very good. Then it shouldn't, be, it shouldn't be had. I mean, I don't think any of us takes collagen for its taste or flavor, right? right. So, so clearly, thank you for, for telling us, so those of us who are listening to this, and we can stop spending money on something that we really don't need and, and focus on what it is that we need. All right, chapter three, are we protein malnourished? You mentioned you do tests. What tests do you do, Dr. Minkoff? Well, we do a, it's a blood profile looking at the levels in the blood of amino acids. So most labs will do this, LabCorp does it or Quest does it. And if you, if you order a panel of serum amino acids, they will give you the levels of these amino acids that are circulating around in your blood, and there are normal levels. And what I found after doing really thousands of these is that many, many of the people that I was seeing have deficiencies in amino acids, but especially in essential amino acids. So when their body is trying to make protein and it's looking for the essential amino acids in order to make the proteins, whether it's an enzyme or thyroid hormone or something else, if it isn't there, then the protein doesn't get made at that moment. And the body gets a backlist of things that it needs to do. When you feed the next meal and hopefully the thing that it's looking for comes in, gets to that cell, and then can get made. So you're dealing in the body with an average human body has about 100 trillion cells. So these are all little mouths that have to get fed and have to get the nutrients they need so that they can make the proteins that, that they're responsible for. In a liver, it might be a, 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 an enzyme. 
or it might be a protein that allows you to detoxify, or it might be a protein that's going to be collagen. It's going to be part of your bone or part of your, your, your fibrous structure. It might be hair. So the deficiencies of protein malnourishment, so to speak, you've already mentioned, like you might be losing hair, you might have more wrinkly skin, but what are some of the more serious symptoms that someone who's watching or listening in today could say, wait a minute, maybe, maybe I have an amino acid or an essential amino acid deficiency. What, what should our listeners and viewers be looking out for? Well, like on the, on the cover of the book, it might be tiredness. It might be depression. Oh, really? Sure. The, the, the neurotransmitters, the, the, the molecules that the brain and nervous system use to communicate between nerves are based on amino acids. So if you're deficient in amino, if you're deficient in say tryptophan, serotonin is made out of tryptophan. A lot of people are given medication because they're depressed with drugs that affect serotonin. They don't really correct serotonin, but what they do poison the nerve ending and they, they allow the, the nerve to be stimulated, but they don't really improve the serotonin level in the body. And if someone's deficient in tryptophan, they won't make enough serotonin. Mm. I've seen a lot of patients that have low thyroid levels. They're tired. They're constipated. Their skin is dry. They can't think clearly. Their hair's falling out. And if you look at their levels of amino acids, many times you find that they're deficient in the amino acid, which is made into thyroid hormone called tyrosine. And many times they're deficient in iodine in their body. And that is the actual reason why their body doesn't have enough thyroid hormone because it doesn't have enough of the raw materials that it needs to actually make it. And if you give these people supplemental amino acids and iodine, and sometimes they need magnesium and vitamin C and zinc and a couple other things needed to make thyroid hormone, they will make it and they don't need to be on thyroid. So... The same with, with, with a lot of different things that doctors are treating, but really basically a nutritional deficiency. Got it. All right, chapter four, barriers to protein digestion and absorption. So what's making a solid protein malnourished, according to you, could potentially be the inability of the body to even absorb from what it is that you're eating. Because I think we're all eating a lot of protein these days between the bars and the drinks and the supplements. Uh, right. But maybe it's just coming right out. So what are those barriers? Well, the, the, probably the biggest barrier is that there's about 20 plus million prescriptions given every month to people for drugs to treat their GERD, their reflux, their indigestion, okay? Mm -hmm. And there's probably at least that many people that now that these drugs are available over the counter, they're taking Pepsid, Nexium, Tagamet, uh, these drugs block the stomach from being able to make acid, okay? And without acid, you don't digest proteins. That's right. So people don't even think about this, um, but it's done. And so that's the first step in protein digestion is that your stomach has to create hydrochloric acid in order to turn on an enzyme in the stomach to begin protein digestion. That's the first big, big hurdle. And if you're taking any of these anti-acids, chances are you're protein deficient. Am I right? 
right? Protein and probably mineral deficient too. Like most people, you can't digest, you can't absorb magnesium and sometimes calcium and zinc and selenium. We measure these on all our patients. We find deficiencies, really prominent deficiencies in people who are on these medications. So that's the first thing. The second thing is many people, if you don't have stomach acid, that is the main barrier to killing microorganisms that are part of the food that we eat. Virtually nobody is eating sterile food. So if you have a tomato or a salad or a piece of meat or fish that's maybe lightly cooked, you are getting in bacteria, funguses, parasites, and the body's main defense mechanism to get rid of those before they get in you is to basically boil them in acid from your stomach. So they go down there, your stomach pours out acid, they get killed, they don't get past your stomach into your small intestine. There's a huge epidemic now of people that have this thing called SIBO. It stands for small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. That was one of the, one of the diagnosed conditions in my big health crisis, and it was diagnosed very, very late was that I had an extreme version of SIBO. So tell us, what does SIBO have to do with stomach acid? Well, if the bacteria get through and they get in your small intestine, mm -hmm. not really very good defenses there. And these bacteria will take up residence and they will grow. They will eat your food. They will eat your vitamins. They will cause inflammation in the main area where food is absorbed, which is your upper small intestine. So duodenum and your jejunum are the areas where food is actually mostly digested and absorbed. And when you have organisms in there, which they will break the membranes down so that you can't actually digest the food and absorb the food, and then you don't get the benefit of it and you get deficiencies. And as soon as you start getting lowered levels of amino acids and minerals and vitamins, then the body structure itself starts to get vulnerable and then you're more susceptible to everything else because part of the other big thing that comes in besides bacteria is that most people aren't eating organic food mm -hmm. virtually all grains many fruits and vegetables are saturated with roundup glyphosate organophosphate pesticides these are damaging to the intestinal membrane. They cause breakdown of the membrane. They cause damage to these little microvilli where, where, where digestion occurs. And so that's another big reason why it happens. Virtually all pharmaceutical drugs cause damage to the intestinal membrane. You can just take aspirin. Virtually 100% of people who take aspirin bleed, okay? They bleed because it's damaging to their inner mucosa in their stomach and their duodenum, but so are virtually all prescription medications. So when I see people, one of my goals is if we can restore their health, we can get them off the medications that they're on. Yeah. They stop them without getting fixed. So I'm not telling people to stop your drugs because they're bad. Your drugs, your drugs are bad, but you need restore your health so you don't need the drugs so you don't have to take a blood pressure medicine or a cholesterol medicine or something like that right but if you can restore your health the first step is you've got to restore your gut and then you're not susceptible to this stuff so digestion is a big problem for people and stomach problems are a big problem for 
the, nearly 100% of the people I see, and a lot of these people have chronic illness, okay? They have multiple sclerosis or rheumatoid arthritis or Parkinson's or chronic fatigue or Lyme. 100% of them have a gut problem. Chapter five, you talk about consequences of protein deficiency. And I think we've sort of been alluding to it throughout um, our last few minutes here. But talk about what are some of the biggest consequences of protein deficiency. And is all deficiency sort of similar, meaning there's a minor deficiency versus major deficiency? And, and how, do you, how do you balance that out to make sure that you don't end up with a major deficiency? Well, I, see, it's also patient-specific. So some people, when they are malabsorbing or not getting uh, enough essential amino acids, will be depressed and they can't sleep and they're anxious because the main area of the deficiency of the amino acids they need has to do with their brain and neurotransmitters. Some people will have osteoporosis because the bone is made out of collagen. 50, 60% of the bone is not calcium. Very few people with osteoporosis have a calcium deficiency. What they have is they have a collagen deficiency. They're not making bone. And or they're not making collagen, and the collagen has to be there for the mineral to stick. So they might be, um, they might have osteoporosis as their main symptom. Some people it might be fatigue. They're not making enough thyroid hormone, or they're not their the mitochondria within their cells don't have the enzymes needed in order to process their food to make energy from it. So if you look across the board, a lot of things that people are suffering from. And that, that's what I found is that when I looked, well, you're amino acid deficient. Now, you may also be omega-3 deficient, magnesium deficient, zinc deficient. But a lot of people were looking at that. Very few people were looking saying, holy smokes, all these people have very low levels of essential amino acids. Mm. What I found is that I fixed that along with the other things. Then you could get health restoration. You could get people healed. Right. And to a, to a large extent, you know, to your point, it almost becomes like this downward spiral where it yeah. starts with some minor imbalance, which manifests as something as simple as a little acid reflux. But now you take pills to manage that, which sort of exacerbates the situation. So now you have a bigger imbalance, which creates a secondary symptom of perhaps extreme fatigue which then creates a much worse problem. And so it just, that's what happened in my case. And that's why at Heal Circle and in my own experience, you know, the boot camps that we've created, it's all about saying, well, first we just need to get you back to balance. Your body needs to function. Right. And if it's not functioning, then you need to help it. So for me personally, one of the biggest things that I started that I think made a dramatic difference was taking, um, these digestive enzymes and acids. So HCL betaine is okay. something that I started taking that I wouldn't eat food without HCL betaine because I knew I wasn't absorbing anything. And I, that meant I probably was making no stomach acid or digestive enzymes. And the difference it made was just remarkable. Like I would eat a meal and I would feel so energized. It's something that hadn't happened to me in a very long time. Right. So you know, part of our mission at HealCircle.org is to help spread a message like yours, which is, look, you've got to get back into balance that just symptom management by taking one medicine here, two medicines there may in fact potentially create a bigger imbalance long term. So, so definitely thank you for sharing that. 
Um, all right, we're going to get on to the next part two of your book, and it's chapter six, which is specific to women. All right, so let's talk about what does protein deficiency do to women, and frankly, I think women, depending on whether they're preteens, teens, kind of in their you know, childbearing years or then menopausal, I think they're very different protein requirements. Talk a little bit about that, please. Right. Well, the, the women need things just like men do. And, and the, the things that women suffer from as they age can, can be fatigue. It can be hair loss. It can be hormone imbalances. It can be osteoporosis. And so all of these things require essential amino acids. And I have a lot of women that say, you know, I used to go to my hairdresser every two and a half to three months since I've been taking perfect amino, which is this mixture of essential amino acids. Now I've got to go like every four or five weeks because my hair is just growing too fast. Oh, wow. Now harder because their, their nails are, are made out of keratin, which is a protein. So sometimes you see it reflected in this. Sometimes people are anemic. The main protein within red blood cells is called hemoglobin. Okay? It's a protein. If you're protein malnourished, you may not make enough hemoglobin. Mm -hmm. You may be tired. If you're menstruating, it'll be even worse because you're giving blood every month and it's being replaced. It may be your immune system. You may have recurrent infections or recurrent sinusitis or recurrent flus. The whole sort of immune cytokine antibiotic, antibody, mm. immunoglobulin system in the body is all proteins. Wow. And if you're, if you're amino acid deficient, you're protein malnourished, your levels may be low. Your body can't fight because it just wow. doesn't. So this is a global thing. And Interesting. You know, get a person and their symptom might be a little bit different from the next one. Insomnia is a huge problem for people these days. And anxiety, depression. And these are all, it's amino acids. So in terms of the protein for women, if a woman's starting to experience certain symptoms like insomnia or anxiety, depression, hair loss, and, and after watching, they get inspired by you, Dr. Minkoff, and they say, you know what, I'm going to see if I can fix these issues by taking the right kinds of quality protein, whether they add more eggs or they fix their digestion and start taking some HCL betaine kind of stuff. How quickly can they start to see the difference. So how quickly does our body start to show results after fixing the imbalance? Sometimes it's, it's very fast. We did some experiments with this amino acid blend where we had people who weren't quite strong enough to get out of a wheelchair. These were older people and malnourished, protein malnourishment in older people is a very big problem. Okay. Cause they might have a bagel and a cup of coffee for breakfast, skip lunch, and maybe have some, some, some bad vegetables and, and a piece of cream cheese or something for dinner, like, like, not, like they're malnourished. So these were people in wheelchairs who weren't strong enough to be able to push out of a wheelchair themselves. Mm. Give them a dose of 10 grams of amino acids, wait 45 minutes, and 9 out of 10 of them could, could stand up out of the wheelchair. So sometimes wow. it can happen very fast. Sometimes wow. it may take weeks or months, like with osteoporosis, you probably, you've got to give it four to six months because this is bone and it isn't very fast healing. Sometimes with hair and nails, people notice it within a few weeks. So it's different in each person because the deficiencies are different. 
But I think that generally people, the feedback that we get is that when, when you correct this stuff, so you correct the, the, the gut and you correct digestion and you get people eating better food, that usually I see people and then six weeks later, I put them on the stuff that they've got to be on. When I see them in six weeks, 85% of them are feeling much better. Their energy is better, their sleep is better, and their digestion is better because we've made improvements in their overall nutrition. We haven't done any big drastic stuff. We haven't given them any medications at all. Got it, got it. What about vegans and vegetarians? Vegans and vegetarians get some very good nutrition from the food that they eat. If they're eating you know, fruits and vegetables and they're organic, there are a lot of good things in them. Almost 100% of vegans and vegetarians that I have tested where I looked at their serum amino acids were very deficient in amino acids. If they've been at it for more than probably two years, I could almost guarantee you that they're very deficient in amino acids and you see it. They lose muscle mass, they lose bone. Many of them are tired. Um, they're, sometimes they're proud of the fact that they're vegetarians or they have a philosophical reason for doing it, but the chances that they're gonna become Amino acid deficient are very high. A lot of times they're not getting omega-3 fats. They're not getting enough iron. They're not getting enough B12. So the deficiencies can be multiple. But we find, say we give them this amino acid blend, this perfect amino. We make sure that they're iron B12 and, and there are vegan forms of omega-3 fats. They come, they come right back. Their hormone levels improve. Their energy improves. Um, they're able to build muscle again. Their bone builds back. So I think you can be vegetarian, but you have to be really sort of vigilant that you eat enough of the stuff that aren't included in what your normal diet is. And what's your favorite vegetarian or vegan source for protein, for high quality protein? Well, I, I'm not a vegan or a vegetarian. I think that the, the I was for a long time, um, ate a lot of beans, uh, ate a lot of soy back in the day. But these proteins have their problems. Some people have trouble digesting them. Uh, there's a lot of lectins in those products. You, you had Gundry on. So sometimes those things are, are problems for some people. Um, I think that there, there used to be a book called Diet for a Small Planet that you could eat mixtures of, say, sesame and garbanzos, and you could sort of get your essential amino acids. I don't think it works out that well. Um, I think what you have to do is make sure that you're eating a, a large variety of those foods and then you have to test yourself and see some people have a really good microbiome and their microbiome will manufacture the essential amino acids for them from their food but it's very it's not very many people most people have to eat the food I thought you would have said nuts I'm surprised not to hear you say walnuts is the well, is Nuts are, are, if you look at the essential amino acid blend in nuts, it, it isn't very good. Really? And how about seeds? Same. It isn't very good. Like if you just ate seeds and you measured how much of the seeds or nuts got converted into protein, hmm. it's probably in the 10% range. Wow. The best okay, vegetable. Well, this is interesting. I, I did not know that. Okay. Is soybeans. Soybeans have the best conversion of any vegetable and it's about 16 or 17%. Interesting. All right. So moving on to the next chapter, which is chapter seven specific to athletes. Yes. What do athletes need to know 
about making sure they've got the right protein profile? Well, athletes need need it because they're 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 what they're doing to their bodies. They're tearing them down a lot faster. The demands are higher, and so the replacement is necessary. Uh, I've worked with a lot of very high end professional athletes. Almost all of them were amino acid deficient, and when we replaced or added essential amino acids, their performance increased. Uh, I found that in myself, and I found it in a lot of athletes. So athletes need to pay attention to this because. Um, a lot of athletes get overtrained, they get fatigued, they break themselves down, they get injured, um, they get illnesses because their body isn't able to keep up with the demands of their, um, of their athletic stuff and keep their immune system up to par. Uh, an example of this is uh, if people have been doing, say, marathon training or triathlon training, where they sort of overdid it in a big day or a big race, many people within the week after that race will actually get a cold or they'll get sick. And what we found is if we can supplement them with high levels of essential amino acids prior, during racing, and after, that they didn't get sick because their body didn't break down immune-wise because it was trying to recover from their, uh, from their athletic endeavor. So how much protein do you recommend for athletes? Probably between a gram and two grams per kilo per day, depending on their body size and their activity level. So 150 pound person. So 70 to 140 milligrams a day or grams of protein per day. And is there a better time to have protein like breakfast, lunch versus lunch, dinner? I don't think it matters. Okay. So the body kind of synthesizes it at the same time. I think the thing is that you need, you, you, you need enough protein and really what you need is enough essential amino acids so that you've got, you've got to eat high quality protein, which usually ends up being animal protein. Got so it. Fish and eggs are the best sources of protein. Then you got to be able to digest them. And then what I do with people is I supplement them with essential amino acids because even with that, most people aren't getting all that they need. All right, chapter eight, specific to the elderly. Talk to us about that. So elderly, usually it, it might be just inattention. It might be not enough money. It might be they just eat what they like. It might be that they don't understand it. But a lot of elderly people are protein malnourished. We have people that come in here all the time that are diagnosed with Alzheimer's or premature Alzheimer's or weakness and have to be in a care facility because they can't take care of themselves that are very malnourished not just protein malnourished but very malnourished and when you start putting the things into them their bodies start to recover and they get stronger and their alertness can come back and they can actually function like they should mm. you know there are some cultures which pay more attention where people live to be very old they yeah. keep their faculties they keep working, and they're proud citizens, and they're active members of society. In, in, in our country, that isn't really true. We, we are killing off our seniors for, between loneliness and malnutrition, and, um, you know, and, and, but they, they, this is a big problem. What about those who've got kidney issues? Because I know too much protein for someone with weak kidneys or renal failure can be issue. And then we've got all these uh, cases out there where, you know, cancer again is potentially 
overeating protein or over um, proteinizing of the body. I'm going to delete this part out. You know, too much protein in the body could potentially lead to cancer. What are your thoughts on that? How do you balance kind of some of those challenges with trying to stay also at the right optimal level with your protein? Well, I mean, I think you have to have a, it, it's always about balance. You know, you could, over, you could die from too much water if you drank too much water. Uh, so it's about balance. The body has a certain requirement for protein. It has a vitamin and mineral requirement. It has a calorie requirement. So it's important, I think, that, that you get balance. Like healthy people do certain things. They, they eat a nutritious, organic diet of non-processed food. They get some sunshine every day. They get some exercise. They make sure they get enough sleep. They take some supplemental supplements for their, for their vitamins and minerals. And you can get people to be healthy if they will just do that. The challenges today are that most people aren't doing that. And life is very fast. It's very stressed. And bodies have a certain tolerance. But then they start to go down when you don't give them the basic stuff that they need. It's so true. I mean, these days, I think lack of time and lack of prioritization is one of our biggest challenges. I mean, a lot of people know what they need to do. It's not that people don't know what to do. It's just going from knowing and doing, there's a huge chasm. And again, that's what we do at Heal Circle with the boot camps is we give you kind of day by day, meal by meal, you know, moment by moment, sort of get up in the morning and meditate. Now go have this as a breakfast and, you know, now let's move. So it's just like this coach, just the way you have a fitness coach. This is this health coach that is with you, telling you, reminding you, staying on top of you um, to keep you on track because it is, it is such a massive challenge. And of course, it's not just for seniors, it's for everybody. Right. Um, all right. Chapter nine, specific to children. So children, what are some of the issues we're seeing there with the protein deficiencies? Well, if you look at the average, if you just stand in the grocery store and watch the checkout lines in mothers with little children, what you'll find is the most disgusting, bad foods that children are being fed, okay? They're drinking milk from cows that have been given growth hormone, that have been fed GMO corn that is high in glyphosate, and they're drinking that with their Kix cereal, which is, again, it's poison. It isn't even food. It's poison. And so what you're trying to take is this young child that's supposed to grow and develop, and you're giving them all this processed crap, you know, and they can't, they, they, we have an autism epidemic. We have a children's cancer epidemic. We have an ADD epidemic. You know, the children are under peril today. It starts with pregnant women. Pregnant women don't take care of themselves. They're not detoxified. They eat crap. They dump their crap into their babies. Their babies are born. Then their babies are given 26 vaccines in the first year of life with stuff in them that isn't good for them. And then they're not fed very well. And then it just goes on and on and on. And we have 50% of our citizens now have chronic disease, including children. Asthma is at all-time highs with children. Sensitivities to foods are at all-time highs. Uh, antibiotic use in children from ear infections and throat infections. These are not accidents. These are not more conscious medical care. These are poisoned children. And it's a big problem. It's, I used to it's an existential crisis. I mean, it really is an existential crisis. You cannot build a great nation 
on the backs of, of extremely sick children. You just can't. Well, and what's happening is in 25 years, it, when, when I used to be a pediatrician and the incidence of autism when I was doing my training, which was in the early 80s, was very, very rare. One of my professors said it was one in several hundred thousand children had autism. Yeah. The incidence of autism is one in 37 live male births. Now, these children are very challenged. They're challenged in their communication, in their ability to carry out tasks, in their ability to take care of themselves. In 25 years, if the incidence of autism grows at the rate it is now, every second or third child is going to have autism. Who's going to work? report that came out of an MIT researcher who I tried very hard to interview when I, I couldn't because I think a lot of what she said was so um, detrimental to so many important people that, uh, that, that that report's no longer being made available publicly. But with that said, when she ran the numbers and she did the math on it, it was one in five children will be autistic in less than 12 years. And that's frightening. That means I'll be a grandmother to an autistic kid. And, and that's unacceptable to me. What happens to the school system? What happens to... Exactly. What, who's going to work? Like, who's going to work? Exactly. It's a national crisis that, that hasn't been internalized by enough people yet. Right. Well, it's, being, it's really just being covered up. It's being covered it up. Because the, the, the money being made on, on, on the things that are, that are causing the destruction of this culture are more important than our own citizens. And this is why Heal Circle exists. I mean, our goal is to reverse chronic illness by bringing people like you who are out there understanding the magnitude of the issue that we face to the forefront, who are out there, who are not scared, who are out there saying, this is the truth. This is what's creating this crisis. And parents, you have to take charge of your children's health. Um, chapter 10, 10, fatigue, depression, and insomnia. What is that connection to protein? Well, because the, I mentioned this before, but proteins are made of amino acids. The amino acids, uh, the neurotransmitters, the things that have to do with mood and sleep and well-being are neurotransmitters. They're made in the gut. So if you have a bad gut and you have the wrong bacteria in your gut, you're not going to make them. If you don't have the right amino acids coming in, you're not going to make them. You're going to end up in some doctor's office. And the, the, the most frequent one is a menopausal or premenopausal woman mm. who isn't sleeping well. She feels her energy's down. And what does the doctor reach for? Take this Prozac. Yeah. You're just depressed, honey. Get yeah. over it. You're menopausal. And there yeah. couldn't be anything farther from the truth than that. There is actually something wrong with that person. They're not crazy. They have deficiencies. And they can get that whole thing turned around with the kinds of things that we're talking about. And remind us, what's the test again? Is it just a regular blood panel and you're looking for proteins or is there some special test that people should do? Amino acid levels. It's a, it's a panel that has serum. Amino, serum is the liquid part of the blood. So it's a serum complete amino acid panel. Usually they'll run 20 or 22 amino acids and they will give you normals for those things. And what most people will find Eight of the essential amino acids that should be included in that. That if you look at the essential amino acid levels, you will find one or more on almost everybody are really at the very low end. And they shouldn't be. They should be at the medium to high end. Got it. Got it. When a cell is making a protein, 
So, so, so let's say it's a cell that's, that's going to make hair mm-hmm. or make muscle. And it's got to have these amino acids to hand because it's lining them up one at a time and joining them together. And if it says, okay, I need a tryptophan or I need a, a glutamine, the different amino acids, and it's not there in the cell to hand, then that thing can't make that protein. It doesn't get made because it's like stringing beads. You, the, 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 the formula says I need a red one and a yellow one and a blue one to make the pattern that I'm supposed to make. And if the red one's not there, the bead maker stops because we can't make the right organization of beads or the right pattern of beads unless the red one. So then the cell's going to stop. They got 100 trillion of these cells making 50,000 proteins going on every second that you're alive. How many of them don't have what they need? Then you're going to get blocks or you're going to get deficits in those proteins. And that's a big deal. for the body. Chapter 11, weight-related issues. So same thing, if you're, if you're, you know, you need enzymes to digest, you need enzymes to make energy, you need amino acids to make all these things. So weight gain, often people with weight gain are actually malnourished, and many of them are protein. And what about chapter 12, proteins and the kidney and liver? So people who have severe kidney or liver disease are often put on low protein diets. The reason for that is that when proteins are broken down, nitrogen is released. Nitrogen is a waste product. It goes to the liver, it's turned into what's called urea. Urea goes to the kidney and it's peed out. If your liver, if you have chronic hepatitis or chronic liver disease, you may not be able to take that nitrogen waste and make urea. If you have a chronic kidney problem, your kidney may not be able to get rid of that urea in the urine. So these things are measured in the blood. BUN is a common blood test that's done to everybody. It's blood urea nitrogen. If the, if the nitrogen level in your blood goes too high, you're, you will get sick. And it may be because your kidneys aren't working. It may be because your liver's not working. Doctors generally and people in these circumstances put them on very low protein diets because they're trying to limit the amount of nitrogen that comes in. But people on low-protein diets get loss of immunity. They lose their skin tenseness. They, they become susceptible to infection. Mm-hmm. So you see people who are on dialysis chronically or people with liver disease, they look really sick. Their skin is really thin. They bruise easy. If they're on a dialysis machine, they're anemic. Their blood cells get beat up. They're on low-protein. They can't replace it. We found that, in, that if we give these people, okay, your liver doesn't work and your kidney doesn't work, but if we put you on this essential amino acid blend, what happens is, is that these amino acids in this blend don't get turned into nitrogen. Mm. 99% of them, your body just makes protein out of it with no waste so that you can keep these people actually at a high level of health without sacrificing by having to put them on a low-protein diet. So in conclusion, what is your favorite supplement? And of course, I know what the answer is, so I'm going to have you give us a couple of supplements that are your favorite supplements, not just one. Okay. So I, I, for 10 years, I have taken this perfect amino every day. It changed my life. So I put two scoops in a glass of water every morning and I drink it down. If I'm on, I'm, I do a lot of athletic training. So if I have a big or hard day or I'm racing, I take a second dose. So 
I always take that because I think that's really helpful. Um, I, I also take a, a, a multivitamin blend, which has, it's based on a whole food uh, base. So it's 16 organic fruits and vegetables with some added vitamins. I take that because I think we all need that. I also take an omega-3 supplement because uh, people need omega-3 fats. We measure them. Most people aren't eating fish. A lot of the fish is a problem today because it's so contaminated. Yeah. But you need these things. It's your brain. It's your nervous system. So those are, those are three of the big ones. And the fourth one is a greens concentrate. Most people aren't eating eight to 10 servings of fruits and vegetables every day, but there are organic blends of fruits and vegetables. One scoop is 10 servings. Easy. You can throw it in a smoothie or throw it on your, in your soup or throw it on your salad. And those are, that will give you the half tabs to make the body work. In the multivitamin, there should be at least 5,000 units of vitamin D because almost everybody we test is low in vitamin D. Yeah. Pretty complete. And if you're a minimalist, if you did that every day, you'd probably be pretty good. If you have gut issues, you need digestive enzymes. You might need probiotics. You know, the list can get a lot longer, but as a sort of minimalist thing, that would work for most people. That sounds great. And just again, in terms of protein supplements, you mentioned perfect protein. What are some of the other protein supplements out there that you think reach that high quality bar of having the essentials? And give us the names of those essential amino acids, please. Well, the, 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 there's, there's eight essential amino acids. And I could give you the names, but it, people just go blur. Okay. If, if you look at most of the writing that's been done, people say that you need nine or 10. Actually, it isn't true. If you take these eight in the blend that it is, you could actually just live on it. You could take 10 of these things, 10 tablets or 10 grams, three times a day, eat no protein, and you get everything that you need. So um, that's the best one. I think as an alternative, people ought to eat real meat, fish, eggs, those are the best proteins dietarily, and just if you need enzymes or you need hydrochloric acid, that you take them because those are actually the foods that that are you know our 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 genes have been bred on for two million years, and that's what the body's looking for. I think most of the other artificial blends of proteins, collagen, pea protein, this I think bone broth, uh, bone broth, it's all processed stuff. And people do better if they eat real food. What are your thoughts on bone broth? We didn't cover that. It's collagen. There's a little bit of protein in it. I think it's good on minerals. It's good on some vitamins. There isn't very much protein in bone broth. So as a protein source, it's not very good. Got it. Got it. All right. Wow, Dr. Minkoff, that is an enormous amount of information. Great stuff. Clearly, those of us who had chronic illness or are still suffering from chronic illness, need to uh, take heed to make sure we get ourselves tested for our amino acid profile and then start to supplement. Any other advice for someone out there who's listening or watching, has a chronic illness, is having odd symptoms and is going, what do I do? Where do I start? Because it gets overwhelming when you're sick and there's all this information coming at you. What's the one thing that someone can start doing now to get back their health? First thing I'd say someone is eat an organic paleo type diet. Make sure that you have a bowel movement every day. If you need magnesium or some kind of a natural laxative, 
you got to go every day. Make sure you're getting enough water that's filtered and clean. Make sure that you get some sunshine every day. Touch the earth every day. Get enough sleep every day for your body. People around you that you feel small around, that think it's fun to make you feel less, don't be around them. People who make you feel good and who love you, spend time with them. If you do those things, a lot of people would get better if they just did that. Oh, my goodness. That is so true. That's, that's exactly the foundation of our boot camps. Thank you so much again, Dr. Minkoff, for, for the great work you do. And for the rest of you, wishing you the best of health. Stay smiling. And I'll see you on another one of these interviews. That's a wrap. Share your love with a five-star review and get show notes at healthbootcamps.com. Connect with us on Health Bootcamps Facebook and Twitter. Also, don't forget to check out other great interviews and subscribe to the Get Healthier podcast today.